0: First Peter, chapter two, verse one. That's a lot to remember. I'm usually sitting there during the music, putting my numbers together. Where am I? What am I doing? But I didn't have that opportunity today. All right. There are three dispositions. The great and wonderful salvation of God to his own is listed in those first few verses. Remember? The inaction of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the sovereign will and purpose of God, putting these particular people to whom Peter writes in the place to which they've been dispersed. Dispersed people reading history would think that the dispersion of these saints was caused by Nero's persecution. No, they are there by the hand of God. They are seed scatterers, the seed of the gospel. Now we've been looking here and there are, we've noted that there are three dispositions to the salvation of God. Number one Is our disposition toward God. And remember that imperative be holy, for I am holy. The next is our disposition toward others. There's another imperative there love one another. So now, the third disposition is the disposition that we have toward ourselves. And that imperative, I have it in red up here. Crave the pure milk of divine reason. We'll talk about that when we get there. Your your translation probably says the pure milk of the word, which which is an understanding. It's an extraction of... The statement that's made here, we'll talk about that when we get to it, okay? Look at five things here about craving the pure milk of divine logic, divine power, divine reason. The first stands on the word therefore. The Greek is um, Therefore. This connects what is here to what is past. What is just what we just read all the way back. Therefore. So it speaks of the salvation of God. Now that you are saved and you have this disposition first toward God, then toward others. Now this is the disposition that you have toward yourself. And here's why. You have this disposition. Therefore. So we take that word and we look back on the origin of who we are. Who we are in Christ, the almighty God separated us to himself in all of eternity and in the course of time did what was necessary to bring us to Christ and Christ will never cast us out. So he set us apart by the work, by the work of the Holy Spirit, the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. Cleansed us with the blood of his dear son so we've been redeemed. Now, the first thing about craving the word of God, the word of divine reason, if you want to call it that, is because we understand who we are in Christ and how we got here. We didn't come by our own power, not even by our own volition. It was a sovereign God who touched us in our deadness of sin And that sovereign God divinely resurrected us into a new birth, a new life. So then we are saved by the power of the great triune God. And it's according to his will and purpose set in all of eternity. We have to be constantly mindful of our origin our beginning as Christians. So then these suffering and persecuted Christians to whom Peter writes are to always be mindful, number one, of who they are in Christ, certainly, but how they came to be in Christ. It is a humbling and glorious thought to think that God called me And has placed me into Christ. He has plucked me out of the domain of darkness. And has set me in the kingdom of his dear son. And has taken me out of the death. That I was suffering from in sin. And has given me new life in Christ. A life that will never end. Eternal life. Therefore. So that's the first thing we rest upon. When we think of how we. Have this desire for the Word of God. The next thing is, we've laid our sin aside. He mentions five of them here. Number two, having put aside, and here they are. Number one, malice, all malice. Kakian, Greek word means vicious disposition. If you're a veteran of church, like I am, you've probably known a few here and there in church who had vicious dispositions. You know? Not these people. In their suffering and in their persecution, knowing who they are in Christ, they've laid aside sin being number one, vicious dispositions, malice. Number two, the second one mentioned here is deceit. It's an interesting word, deceit, dullen. It means to, to set a bait, to set bait for the prey, for the naive prey. People in church here, these Christians don't do that anymore. They may have done that once. They have put it aside. They're not seeking in any way to deceive others. To set a bait. And to do some kind of trick or, or something that will help them gain some kind of mastery in some way. No. The third thing Mentioned here in this list of sins that have been laid aside. Hypocrisy. That's a fairly straightforward and simple Greek word. Hypocrisis is the form here. And we get our word actor from that word. Now, in the Greek world, on, on the stage, in those Theaters that they had, they were open air and had all these semicircle seats and had a stone dome so that the sound could be projected. But sometimes you might miss a line of what somebody's saying. So if it was something funny, a guy would put on a mask with a big laughter on his face. Right? He was a hypocrite, he was acting. It's a Greek word. Or if it was sad, they'd hold up a big mask with a crying face. Hypocrite. Play acting. Having put aside all play acting. There's no time for that in service to Christ. Especially when you face suffering and persecution. No time for that at all. The fourth one is Envies. Envies. Phthonos. Phthonos. That means grudges. To hold a grudge. To have ill will towards someone else. That's what that Greek word means. Laid that aside. All grudges, ill will, envies. That's the fourth one he mentions. And then the fifth one is slander. Uh, another way to say that word is evil speakings to speak evil of others slander these are five common hurtful sinful attitudes that can be found in church it's a ruinous thing If you crave the Word of God, then you don't focus on those things. As a matter of fact, the Word of God delivers you farther and farther from those things. So, number one, you stand on the origin from whence you came in Christ, placed there by a sovereign God before whom we bow and are humbled. And who we glorify into the ages of the ages. Secondly, put away your sin. Don't harbor evil, sinful attitudes. Number three, admit your desire. As a Christian, the great desire you have, which is the pure milk of divine reason. All right, so it's like newborn babies. Now he's talking about milk. He's talking about infants. The Greek word speaks of infants, newborn babies. You crave the pure milk of divine reason of the blessed word like newborn babies. Now we all know the picture of an infant who nurses, who feeds upon his mother's breast. You hold your newborn child and if you're the daddy, he keeps going like this. (laughs) Ain't gonna find it. Have to give it to mama. Because he has one basic, driving, craving, desire the pure milk of his mother's breast. Nothing else will do. When I was a kid and I had, I had nieces, I was eight years older than my first niece and 10 years older than my second niece. I used to put lemon juice on my finger <laughs> to be entertained by the face they would make. They wasn't craving that, you see. They wanted something. To me it was funny, but it was not so funny now. <laughs> I thank God I've made it this far in life and they haven't hired a hitman to kill me. <laughs> this is a natural. <laughs> so, so you take this the right way. All right. This is your spiritual life as a Christian. Only it's the word we're desiring and craving. This is who we are. He uses the the analogy. He says, you're like a newborn baby. You have one thing that you crave for. One thing that you desire. Only one thing will satisfy you. Just like the pure milk of his mother's breast. Here, it's called the pure milk of divine reason. Now, let me go to the Greek word here just a second. Third line down, about middle ways over. Logikon, logikon. Now inside that word is a root from whence also comes logos, which is word. But logikon is that, that thing that connects with you that you understand is reason. It's reasonable. This is, this is right And this is the word that's used by Peter and the saints to whom he writes know what he's talking about. The word of God brings them to logical conclusions because they're born again. And God communes spiritually with the saint his spirit bears witness with our spirit so from the word comes that which enters into us as divine reason it's only that word is only i think it's only used twice in all of the new testament but it comes from the word of god so it's a right it's a correct translation i suppose to say the pure milk of the word But there's a little more to it than that. The word that produces something in the heart, the mind, the spirit of the believer, which is divine reason. This is right. This is that for which I crave and desire. that's what I'm desiring. I found it. I'm feeding upon it. And it's right. It's correct. This is how a believer feels about the word of God. It does something in his psyche to make him understand what is divinely reasonable and logical. This is it. This is this is, I'm told this, this is right. This has positive effects in my life as a believer. This is how God feeds us with his word, and it makes a difference. It satisfies us, just like the baby is satisfied. He'll squawk and squall and care until mama comes. He shuts up. This is the way we should be in our lives. We squawk and kick and scream until we feed on the Word of God, settle us down. Divine reason and logic. That word has an effect all the way through us. That's what Peter writes about here. The Holy Spirit through Peter teaching the Christian what a word does into the essence of our souls, our spirits. So that's number three. You have this insatiable desire for the word of God that produces effects. Effects making us to understand divine reason fourth thing in craving the word of god in our disposition toward ourselves is so that it that in it you may grow up with respect to salvation It is a lifelong journey. It is a lifelong learning process. That's why we are called disciples. We are learners. The word of God is active and living, we are told, in Hebrews. So we can sit down and have an active conversation with God through his word because it lives. It's active. You're always learning something about other people if you're around them a lot. This is the way it is with the word of God. You can read the same text again next week and it will have a wonderful, beautiful, new, fuller, deeper meaning in your life. It is because it lives. It is a spiritual thing and it can only bear witness to those who are spiritually alive. That's why the world doesn't, the world doesn't get anything out of the scripture hardly except maybe to laugh at it or try to disprove it or something silly. And so you just kind of shrug and say, well, if you don't believe the word of God, I can't help you. An angel from heaven can't help you. And you're not going to be able to believe it. Unless and until you come to Christ and you won't come to Christ unless and until God calls you to Christ. So if I'm sitting there laughing at the Bible, I think I'd be worried about that. Grow up. This is how we grow. Of course, the baby matures and he starts eating other things that enrich him in stronger ways to you know to solid food and so forth and it continues you continue to grow now not, maybe not physically i don't know i learned something i don't know if it's true or not but i heard this in college that you are remade physically every seven years. You ever heard that? Like, your skin ain't the same skin. I could have told them that. Your hair ain't the same hair. In my case, your hair ain't. Leave the rest of that phrase off. And also, your desires and cravings are enriched. You know, I'll eat stuff today that I wouldn't have eaten seven years ago. The diet, it morphs into other and deeper and richer things. I put that in a spiritual sense. You grow in Christ and who you are deepens, is enriched the more you study it. It's an amazing thing. Look, I I can read great expectations and I get the same thing out of it that I got the first time I read it but not the Bible. And I'll tell you, I've read the Bible through a lot of times. It's all I do practically. Study the Bible. There's always something new. It's an adventure. Something new. Man, I didn't know this before. God has grown me, has matured me in the faith. This is what we are doing. Our desire to, our craving of the pure milk of divine reason that comes from the word is in the process of maturing us and growing us up in our salvation. What a happy day it was. A little boy, I got, I got saved. I was baptized. I told people about it. I had little cousins that were older than me that had never come forward. That salvation meant some basic truths to me as a child. But the meaning of that salvation. It's still the same salvation. But my appreciation for my knowledge of it. The depth of it. The eternity of it. Has has caused me to grow even more and more. I've grown in grace. I I start out, I didn't understand really the reaches of grace, just grace. I, I thought I heard that word all my life, yet still the concept of grace, the grace of God, continues to grow in my heart and in my life. To grow in the Word, to have a deeper understanding the next time than what I had this time when I study it and read it. This all comes from the imperative here to crave this pure milk of divine reason that is the natural outpouring of the Word of God. That's number four. Number five. It causes us to count our blessings, to consider our blessings and count them. If we would but read the word of God and consider what we have in Christ that has been given to us by the grace of God and the knowledge of what it is continues to grow And we learn how more and more responsibly to face life and the struggles and tribulations and trials of life and yet continue to remain steady and calm because of what the word of God has done for us. And it makes us more and more see the blessings of life and less of what we would consider the curses of life. To grow like that to crave and desire the Word of God more and more teaches us how blessed we are, how eternally blessed we are in Christ. What a wonderful journey, this journey of life in Christ to think of our salvation and what it does to us. First Peter chapter two verses one through three. Would you bow your heads close your eyes. Jesus Christ is the son of God. In just a moment we'll be dismissed. But I want to make this appeal to you. The Bible says if you'll just admit that you're a sinner. And believe in Jesus. And call on him in confession of sin to save you. He'll save you. In just a moment, we'll be dismissed. As you exit, you will see just right across the hall, deacons and wives standing in the doors of those rooms, a couple of rooms there, ready to pray with you. Would you, are you. would you come to Christ by the call of God today? They're there to pray with you. Maybe you would come and be a part of Shiloh. They are there, To help you with that and to pray with you. So that's our invitation. Remember that as God speaks to your heart as you exit this room. For now, prayerfully, would you stand all over this room and we'll be dismissed in prayer.